right. Hello, everybody, and welcome to episode 180 of Motor City Uncut, presented by the EmpireMedia.com, or the Major Sports Network. One of the same. <laughs> hey, hey, I do more podcasts for the Empire Media now than I do here at the Majors. That's uh, that's a big inversion from what it used to be. But anyway, long story short, we're back. Um, we've got a special guest here tonight, Greg Eno. Um, blogger in the, the Detroit blogosphere here will be joining us in approximately five minutes uh, to discuss some Detroit Tiger stuff. But until then, um, let's just get right into it. So part of the reason that we wanted to, you know, the Tigers are dreadfully awful and everybody knows that and yada, yada, whatever. Part of the reason we want to get this uh, topic going here tonight is I think it's kind of partly spurned on by the, uh, they had the 97-1 had Brandon and John for an interview said in his personal opinion, he doesn't think the Tigers will spend again until the McAlcabrera contract is off the books. Annoying as that may be, I don't necessarily think that's a terrible, terrible take or too far out of bounds. And, and, and I wouldn't be surprised if it ends up being reality in the end. Um, what, what, I mean, I, we haven't. I mean, this is a couple weeks old at this point, Adam. But uh, you haven't been on the air for this podcast since then. So, what are your kind of thoughts on that uh, take there by Brandon Edge? I mean, I, I don't, I don't necessarily think he's wrong. Um, I think, given the track record so far of a guy like uh, like Chris Illich, it certainly seems, and that's kind of like the, that's the title of the show tonight. You know, is Chris Illich turning this team into a small market club and those years that we've seen Mike Illich run the show, Mike Illich ran the club like a big market team, like you would suspect it is. Uh, the Tigers are arguably a top 10 market within Major League Baseball. Uh, as we know, you know, market, TV market, television market, media market is it's a big the 12th. It's 12th. 12th in media markets this year again. this year yes uh so it's top 15 just outside the top 10 uh that's still big it's still a big media market and usually that's the driving force especially in a league like major league baseball where there is no salary cap you have a luxury tax but there is no hard cap there's no soft cap there's no cap at all you could spend, spend, spend all you want. Well, there's a there's a luxury tax threshold, but that's the what I said. Been yeah, <laughs> the Tigers haven't threatened that in a while. No, and I don't know. I think if I think people need to come to reality with this and just realize that Tigers aren't a big market club anymore. They are they are a medium sized market club who has an owner that just isn't interested in winning. And I know that may be a hard pill to swallow for a lot of people, but I think that's true he's just not interested in winning right now. He's not interested in winning at all. I, th I don't think if he was, you would, see, I, I think you would see a different, um, a different direction with his team. As far as the journal manager goes, I think you'd see a different direction with his team. As far as the manager goes and basically how they spend outside of, um, uh, outside of things when it comes to the roster and everything. So, yeah, I mean, I know we're going to, we're going to be talking, you know, more about this with Greg. Uh, he did write a, uh, an article as well about, uh, Ron Gardenhire and whether or not Ron Gardenhire should be, uh, included in this rebuild going forward beyond this season. But, uh, we'll certainly get his thoughts. I know Greg is, uh, really tuned into the Tigers and, uh, really knows his shit too. So I don't know. That's kind of, you know, offhand surface, what I think, Dorf. I mean, it comes down to a fundamental difference in ownership philosophy, I believe. 
Mike Illich didn't even treat his team like a big market club. He treated it like his play toy. Yeah. It was profit profitability, you know, be damned. I want to win before I die because you know what? They ain't going to be, you know, I, I am anything but a hip hop guy, but he is not going to take after Drake and uh, be buried, put, you know, put his money in him with him in the grave. God, I sound like the whitest guy ever. Yeah. Well, you are. <laughs> yep. <laughs> <laughs> so with that in mind, you know, he, you know, the, the fortune that Mike Illich amassed over his uh, career in business and, you know, winning the tigers, the wings, little Caesars and all the other different business ventures, you know, he wasn't, uh, be uh he didn't want to be buried with any money left over so he for the last arguably decade of his life said you know fuck profits i want to put a winner on the you know i want to try and put a winner on this team or on this field and uh i don't think chris whether it's just a difference in you know his his passion isn't sports or um whether he's worried that he's gonna live a little while or you know he's a little bit he's in his 60s isn't he chris um, yeah, no, I think he's younger than that. Okay, well, he's probably only you know, probably should have looked that up beforehand. Yeah, but whatever, dude's got some years left to live. Um, and this is, you know, the Illich Family Trust is is of course what what Mike lives on or uh, Chris lives on. It looks like and we have part- Greg calling in right now, so let's go ahead and all jump right. to him. Sorry, sorry, Doug. No, it's all good. Is this Greg? Greg Eno here. Greg, how you doing, buddy? You're on uh, with Good. Dorf and Adam on uh, Motor City Uncut. How are things going tonight, man? Dorf, how's it going, guys? Not too bad. Yeah, we're doing good. Uh, good. Anxious to talk a little Tigers with you, but uh, I guess first off, this go ahead and kind of introduce yourself and uh, and tell us what you, tell us what you do. What do you? What, I mean, what, you've been in the <laughs> you've been in the blogosphere for a while now, the Detroit blogosphere. So so tell us. I mean. Tell us what you do. Maybe not your day job, but what, what, what do you do, Greg? Come on. Let us know. Fill well, us in. <laughs> well, you know, I've been, I've been blogging since uh, 2005, if you can believe that. It's uh, over 14 years, literally every week for 14 years. It's a lot of, it's a lot of typing on the, uh, on the keyboard. But uh, I've been, I've been in, uh, a freelance journalist. I've been um, uh, in locker rooms. I've been, uh, you know, working for magazines. I've been... Uh, pontificating about sports, uh, uh, since about 2005, like I said, and, you know, it's just a, it's just a passion. I've been following Detroit sports since 1970. So it's, you know, it's coming up on 50 years that I've been a fan. And, uh, so, uh, yeah, I mean, I, it's, it's something that, uh, there's always, you know, I think it was George Puskis, who was the old free press sports columnist who said, I, he said, I don't know why anyone would want to write about anything else in the world other than sports. And, and I agree. There's so much, Human drama. There's so there's uh, you know it's a microcosm of life. You know you've heard all the all the uh, cliches, but it, there really is. There's so much human element. So much, so many good stories. Just I mean beyond the scores, there's just so many good stories in sports, and that's what I uh, I enjoy. I couldn't agree with you more. And I think people. I I know one of our past episodes, um, and I know Dorf can attest to this. I'm not quite sure if he remembers or not, but I'm sure he does. Uh, it, People, it seems like don't have enough fun with sports sometimes. And I, and what I mean by this is, we were talking about Lavar Ball at one point, and I said that in some sense I loved Lavar Ball because he was he he was a great villain for 
for basketball. I know people, I, I know everybody hates him, and I, I don't like him in, in any sense either, other than the fact that I thought he was a great villain for the NBA. He was somebody that mm-hmm. everybody could kind of get behind in just like generally dislike. But that was, I think that kind of goes hand in hand with the stories you're talking about that, you know, sports or some of the drama off the court or off the field or off the ice kind of generates. And I think stuff like that is fun, though. Do you think people kind of lose focus and lose sight of what's fun in sports? Well, you know, I think what happens, Adam, is is that uh, people can take sports a little bit too seriously and that's the problem that's the fine line there's a fight i mentioned you know a microcosm of life a few minutes ago but the problem with that is that you can take it too far and 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 take these things way too seriously i i think your comment about ball though is 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 pretty accurate i think that uh it's nice to have villains it's nice to have and that's part of sports that's part of the that drama i was talking about you you have to have those those players and those teams that wear the black hats, you know, it's good for baseball when the Yankees are good. It's good for the NBA when the Lakers are good. Mm -hmm. It's good for the NHL when the Canadians are good. You know, there are certain teams and organizations that is not as much fun. You know, it's it's no, it was no fun in college football when Notre Dame wasn't very good. Mm -hmm. I mean, you have to have these, sir, there's certain organizations, certain schools, certain teams, that I think if when they're good, you know, that's when they wear the black hat. It was no fun making, you know, when the Yankees were awful in the mid sixties, mid to late sixties, there was no drama of the Yankees coming to town. I mean, they were awful. Yeah. I mean, it's, so it's, it, it, you know, you, there's an aura. Yeah. There's an aura about the Raiders and certain organizations, but you know, some of that rubs off after a while, if you've had years and years and years of lack of success. So I think whether you talk about individuals like LeVar Ball or any number of them, or or if you're talking about entire teams, it's it's that's part of it. It's it's that black hat thing, you know. Mm-hmm. It's it's um, the villain thing, and and, and that's what uh, I think that's part part of the fun. Well, I'll tell you what's definitely not fun, and that's the Detroit Tigers right now. The Detroit Tigers <laughs> are um, are probably. What do you mean you don't like watching a nightly dumpster fire? No, I I, I can't say that I do, uh, and you know. Greg, this is this is what we brought you on for tonight was to talk Tigers. So <laughs> I I apologize for that, but uh, you know there's no. a there's a few things that you know we want to kind of you know kind of you know just just pick your mind about because um, you're like you said you've uh, you've you've paid attention to this team for a while now. You've seen the good days and the bad, um, and we're certainly back in the bad days here. Um, but uh, Dorf, do you want to do you want to take it away with the first uh, kind of the first? Yeah, sure. I know. I know. We started previewing this topic before Greg called, Greg called in here. Um, the I don't know that you know it, it may be us just as fans here struggling to adapt. That yes, there's been a change in ownership. Yes, it's the same family. However, the strategy of of how the, what how they develop the product that goes on the field is is very obviously changed. Even though it's essentially minus Mike Illich, the same crew. I mean, Dave Jombrowski stepped out, but the key figureheads in the front office are all the same people. I mean, Al Avila was around beforehand. David Chad, who's, I believe, the farm director. Um, he's he's, he's uh, a holdover from, you know, the previous regime. Despite that being the case, 
and the you know the organizational philosophy in you know how we're going to organize our, our roster in any given year has very obviously changed. And that and it, it's hard to deny, and it's impossible to deny that it has to do with money. I I understand that it, Mike Illich and you know didn't want to have any money left in his bank account, and he wanted to put a winner on the field. He he didn't feel like dying with any you know a balance left you know, at the expense of winning and you're not going to see that with, with Chris. And that's obvious. And that's, that's is what it is. It's his business. He can do that. But at the same time to expect still to still be able to draw 3 million people and uh, be a good partner to your regional sports network and be able to put up good ratings for them. You're not going to be able to keep throwing this trash on the field in every given night. I mean, last night was a microcosm of the game. You had a first baseman playing left, a middle in, utility middle infielder playing center, and all of a sudden they run into each other. A ball hits off one of them and goes over the fence for a home run. Yeah, that that is exactly what's going on. You know, the microcosm of the season is this, Chris. You know, is this sort of attitude and change just a just our new reality? Is this, or is uh, this just a, a sign of a guy who doesn't want to own a baseball team? Well, you know, I, I think what you're seeing is a case of timing. I mean, so much of, of ownership is timing. It's when you take over, it's, uh, it's, um, you know, as you know, sports is cyclical. I mean, you just can't stay on top forever. There's going to be down times. There's going to be, um, rebuilds. There's going to be reloads. There's going to be, uh, you know, you, that's just part of the, that's just the nature of the beast. And, and Chris Illich, unfortunately, has took over the team right around the time that all of this started to happen. Uh, the, you know, the, the chickens came home to roost, i.e. the big contracts that, that didn't, they were designed to, to put the tigers over the top and didn't. And, you know, you had to pay the, pay the piper and that's what's happening right now. I, you know, you mentioned 3 million fans and, you know, that's if, if, if the tigers fans that are frustrated right now, and I know there are a lot of them, if, if there's going to take solace in anything, it's that there's, if there's anything that's going to accelerate it, 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 Chris Illich's spending of money again, it's going to be the attendance figures that he sees on the bottom line. If, if fans continue to stay away, and they will, and you can see the, you know, the sparseness of the crowds when they take the, the, the wide shots on Fox Sports Detroit, you can see all the empty seats. Um, losing doesn't do anybody any good. It doesn't, it doesn't sell uh, gear. It doesn't sell the swag. It doesn't do anything for ratings. It doesn't do anything of the turnstiles. It doesn't do anything in terms of uh, marketing. Uh, there's no incentive to lose. So I want to get, make that perfectly clear. So folks that are, you know, accusing Chris Illich of he doesn't want to win and he does, he's doing this on purpose. He doesn't care. Is a bunch of baloney. There's no finding. I know baseball is a strange business, but one thing that's that is not strange is that losing does not do anything for the bottom line. There's not going to be anything that comes from losing good when it comes to the bottom line. You're going to sell more tickets. You're going to sell more swag. You're going to get higher ratings and you're going to get more concession sales when you win. That's just the way it is. So if there's anything that Tigers fans can, can, can hold on to, it's that fact. And if no businessman wants to hemorrhage money, Ad infinitum. There's going to be a stopping point. Now the question becomes, when will that tipping point be? When the Tigers start to reach outside the organizations and sign some people to bring in here. 
Yeah, because Greg, right now it seems like I mean, according to according to Brandon Inge, and it seemed like this is what Brandon Inge was alluding to. Um, what was it, a week or so ago, on uh, 97-1, when he basically gave his opinion that the Tigers weren't going to spend until the Miguel Cabrera contract was off the books. And what is that, 2024 that's, then? That's three. Well, there's option years. He's got three left mandatory, and then there's a couple vesting options, which unless, of course, he becomes a spring chicken again, which ain't happening, aren't going to vest. Yeah. So. I mean, is it is it is it reasonable or is it? Um, I, I mean, can fans wait that long? Can fans wait until twenty twenty four in order for you know a a a competitive baseball team to be put on the field by the Detroit Tigers, headed by Chris Hill? Well, I don't know where. Yeah, I don't know where Brandon is getting that information. If that's just his hunch, well, he he did just say that was his personal opinion. Yeah, yeah he didn't have he didn't claim to have any inside info. He just thought that that, that was just his personal opinion. Okay, well, I, I don't share that opinion. I think that that's uh, that's a little bit too far off. And frankly, guys, uh, and I said this on the Knee Jerks podcast, which uh, I didn't promote when you when you brought me on. I should promote, but we'll do that go, later. Go ahead. Um, no, yeah, absolutely. Go ahead. Uh, uh, <laughs> uh, the Knee Jerks, which is a podcast I do with Big Al uh, Beaton. Uh, we've been doing it since May of 2009, so we're past 10 years now. Nice. Uh, just to, just go to uh, Twitter, at The Knee Jerks. Uh, just uh, go to Stitcher, go to YouTube, go to uh, wherever podcasts are sold. <laughs> you'll, you'll find uh, Just type in The Knee Jerks uh, Detroit, and you'll find us. Anyway, uh, we talked about this very subject uh, the other day, and, and, and I said, look, uh, you know, the, the – the selling off of the ass, you know, every rebuild, you guys know this, every rebuild has its phases. And mm-hmm. phase one is getting rid of the assets, selling off as many assets as you can, getting you trimming payroll, gutting payroll as much as you can. That's that's step one. The way I see this rebuild, we're we're pretty much past step one now. There really aren't any more assets to sell off. You're not gonna sell off Zimmerman. You're not going to sell off Cabrera. Zimmerman goes off, comes off the books, I think, after next year. After next you're not going to yep. sell off, right? You're not going to sell off Cabrera. So that's really the only two contracts that you really have to worry about right now, anyway. And like we said, Zimmerman's off after next year, anyway. So now it's, I think, phase two now should be in, in collaboration with uh, developing and bringing up the, the kids that the, the Tigers have acquired via trade and the draft since 2017. Going along with that now is is when you should start to think about going outside of the organization. And I'm not talking about spending. I don't think we're. I think we're past the days in, in Major League Baseball of the 10-year, 300 million dollar contract. I know that the Bryce Harpers of the world and the Machados um, of the world might get that, and you know, and it took them a long time, by the way, to get that this year. They almost halfway through spring training, practically before they got signed. But you're not going to. You don't have to do that. I'm not. I'm not advocating throwing away three hundred million dollars in, in, in ten years for for a mega superstar. That's just, first of all. There's not any really too many players out there that I think are really worth that. Number one, that are available. Number two. So you need to. You but you can do that at a lot. You can you can add pieces at a tier that's below that, and I or even maybe a couple tiers below that, and still improve the ball club. If you guys remember 2003, obviously everybody's yeah. going to talk about Pudge Rodriguez. Coming here after that debacle, but it didn't start with Pudge. It started with Fernando Vino, who granted was a bust, 
but then Rondell White came over, and and then the next year you added Magli Ordonez, and you added, you know, then you made a trade for uh, Carlos Guillen, and you know, so you you need to start to build around. You you can't sell off any more assets. You can't. I don't know where else you can trim payroll. You got to start now. This is that's why my column about replacing Gardenhire because I think you need to start to think about the next phase of this rebuild, which should be as early as next year. That's you know that's very very true, Greg. Um, there is, I mean, there there are assets that you could flip, but guys that are a little bit more mature that, but they don't cost any money. I'm speaking like specifically like a Nico Goodrum, or God, at this point, there's nobody else left. <laughs> right. So Nico Goodrum. Right. Um, <laughs> but it, you know, Nico Goodrum will be a big league ball player next year, whether it's for the Tigers or somebody else. The you know, he may be the only guy, but at the same time, if if you're going to be bad, he's the kind of guy that you want around because despite his folly last night in center field, he's defensively competent in at least five spots where, you know what, if we're going to need to, we're going to try some guys here, try some guys there, move some people around. He's the guy, he's a, he's a rostered guy that you're going to need. Now that doesn't, is he uh, more than a two win? You know, if you're a fan of the worst at, I don't, I don't know or not. I mean, he's a two win ball player at peak. He's not a, a world beater, but at the same time, to act like he doesn't have a role in a big league club is is just you know, despite some people's thinking, is is just flat out wrong. But at the same time, it, it you, the Tigers are not going to go and open next year with five kids in the rotation, despite what people want. I mean, they could. They're not. It's not going to be a Mize and. You know, Bo Burrows and Matt Manning, whatever. You know, those guys might get a start or two each, and probably not Mize because of the injury this year. Down the stretch, I, I wouldn't be surprised if Matt Manning doesn't start a couple games before the end of the year. Bo Burrows definitely will start a couple games before the end of the year. It's you're not going to open with five of those guys in the rotation, and at the same time, you're going <clears> to <throat> you're going to need to fill this team again with guys like Tyson Ross, with guys like Matt Moore. Um, like they tried to do this year, you know, no one would have predicted that, you know, the two guys that you signed to eat innings this year and make this product slightly right. less dreadful would die in April. Like, right. <laughs> and no one really would have thought Josh Harrison would have been that bad. I mean, right. And then get hurt. So I think it's, it's one more year of this kind of treading water, letting your, your, your farm grow up a little bit more before you can start going again. And, and, and also your comment about the, there's not really $300 million ball players anymore. There are, it's just, you have to develop your own and pay to keep it because yeah. if you're paying $300 million for somebody on the free agent market, there's a reason they made it to free agency. There's probably some, something wrong and you're going to overpay for somebody mm -hmm. else's trash. Mm -hmm. so, well, I would ask you this question is, do you guys think Bryce Harper is living up to, to the contract that he signed? He never could. He was never going to. I yeah. mean, it was impossible. Um, I mean, he would need to be, you know, I know Mike Trout got, what, $100 million more than him, but at that level, I mean, believe it or not, Bryce Harper still has an OPS of like 950, which is it, is an offensive player that's, that's you know, top 10 in the league, but yeah. he was never going to, he would need to have a, you know, in most people's minds, an OPS of like 1.2 to live up to that, which is, you know, never really been done outside of Barry Bonds and like the history of baseball. And it seems like he's playing in the worst city right now as far as expectation and, and Oh, Phil, it, yeah. <laughs> it isn't just right now. I mean, that's that's like the state of Pennsylvania because yeah. then you could even 
arguably the Steelers are just as unrealistic with their fans <laughs> every year expectations. Mm-hmm. It's, Greg, as far as it's because you talked about these stages of these of these rebuilds, um, and I we are we are going to get to that article that you wrote um, the other day on, on Ron Gardenhire, which is which is very good. Um, but before we get to Ron Gardenhire, I want to. What about Alavila? I mean, what are your impressions of him? Is he? I mean, do you think that he's the guy to kind of oversee this this next phase that the Tigers would be? moving themselves into in terms of that rebuild because Chris Illich just gave on my, uh, a contract extension and has the years been, do we know how many years that was for? I don't know if that was ever released. No, you never will. Yeah. So I what are your thoughts on that, Greg? Do you, or what are your thoughts in general on, on Al Avila, um, overseeing this? Cause it certainly seems like that's going to be the case now with that contract extension. Well, you know, the, 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 and I wrote about Avila about a month ago, and I called, I think I, I titled it uh, the, the, the riddle that is Al Avila or something like that. We don't really know, guys, um, where Avila is in terms of capabilities to do something like this because he's never had to do it before. I mean, mm-hmm. to be fair to the guy, he's always been around organizations that have been, for the most part, successful. Yeah. Um, he's been a lieutenant for a number of years, mostly under Dave Dombrowski, obviously. Um, the knock on on Al is that he's never been a general manager, and the, and the, 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 the folks look at him sideways when they see he's, he's been an assistant for so long. Sometimes when you become an assistant for that many years, like Al was, uh, it, it it becomes no longer a positive. But sometimes people look at that as a negative. It's like, well, why is he still an assistant? Why is another general, another team, you know, snatched him up? Uh, like the Red Wings lost Jimmy Nill and mm-hmm. so forth. Uh, you know, the better. To all organizations, as, as you know, in a promotion standpoint, so we just don't know. I mean, I, I would love to sit here and give you a definitive answer and say, yeah, Al Avila is the guy. He's, you know, he's. But I will say this about Al. You know, he is. You know, he does. He, unlike Dave Dombrowski, he doesn't play things close to the chest. Maybe to a fault. He's he's probably the, would be the worst poker player in the history of the of uh, cards because he doesn't have any sort of filter to, to what he says. He'll say things that don't even really help the trade value or of, of his own players or you know, he doesn't, he just, he wears his, his uh, feelings on his sleeve too often. But that being said, I think what he has done is he's done what you su- you're supposed to do in these things so far. He's sold off assets. He's gotten prospects. He's, he's uh, you know, I, I don't know what else. I don't know what, what fans would expect somebody else to do in the past two years that Al either a hasn't done, or they wish that the Al wouldn't have done that he has done. I don't know what that another executive in baseball, given the scenario that Al stepped into, which by the way, was, you know, kind of sudden uh, in all fairness, I don't know where, and you know, that's another aspect of bad timing, by the way, I don't know <laughs> what, what you would have him do or not do uh, that he, that he's already done. I, I don't, I don't know that, that we can really look at him and say, He's done that wrong. He's done that wrong. We don't know yet. I mean, I, you you can't. It's disingenuous to say he could have gotten more for so and so, and he didn't get enough for so and so. We don't know that. We don't know about any of these prospects. We don't know where they're going to be at in three to five years. That's when the true you know, legacy of, of his tenure will be will be metered out. Is is when those years go by. Right now, I think he's doing what he's supposed to do. What I would like to see him do, though is to start next year to add some uh, – think about – I mean, not, not this offseason, but after next – in the next offseason, I'd like to see some help from outside the organization that are not stopgaps. I'm not talking about Gordon Beckham. I'm not talking about 
the the uh, Matt Moores of the world. I'm talking about real pieces that you can plug in to 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 you know uh, augment what the Tigers are doing in their farm system. That's what I'd like to see him do next. But for right now, I just don't. I can't kill the guy because I'm not. I don't know enough about what he's done or hasn't done to, to render a judgment. At the same time, Greg, here's 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 a good point. The last thing here before we get into your Garden Tire article, I, I believe that's your most recent piece on your your out of, out of bounds blog. There, um, that may mean because the guys that you've described there, the guys you'd like to see him add, won't be available as free agents. It just doesn't happen. That may mean making a trade, and some of these guys that you've been waiting for and waiting for and waiting for mm-hmm. may have mm-hmm. to be dealt to acquire those assets. I'm not necessarily saying they're mm-hmm. going to go out and trade Casey Mize, but right or Matt Manning, but uh, another you know, right. just think of some of the other guys that are in the mid to upper minors, like uh, Isaac Paredes or something like that. That may be a guy you have to part with to go get that 24, 25-year-old guy who's had a couple of decent years in the big leagues that right. just is going to be too expensive for somebody else. I don't know. You go. I haven't looked at the Marlins roster. Who who, who do they want to sell off before they have to meet them in arbitration? Um, but that's right. the kind of situation, the kind of thing you're going to have to hunt for, or you're going to have to take somebody else's bad contract and take a gamble. And that's, you know, that's risking on in itself, or you're going to have to, in order to acquire those players you've described, you're going to have to give up something you don't want to give up. Yeah. No, so that's a great point. I, that's a, I'm glad you brought that up because uh, when I was talking about seeking help from outside the organization, yeah, you're right. I, I think something bold, you, you may have to do exactly what you just said. I think that if there's one thing that we don't, haven't seen from Al Avila yet we haven't seen him fleece anybody. You know, there hasn't been any sort of a fleecing or a crazy like a fox move. There hasn't been anything that that you you point to and say, "Boy, this guy's he really pulled the wool over uh, that other team's eyes." By you know, we haven't seen that yet. We used to see that. We're, we've been used to seeing that from other executives in in in, in this town and other sports. You know, the, the good old fashioned uh, you know fleecing. We haven't seen anything anything that makes you think like he's the smartest guy in the room. It's been kind of sterile. It's been kind of pasteurized. It hasn't been anything like you said, bold trading something that that you might not want to give up. Which I completely concur with. I think we haven't seen anything like that yet. But in all fairness, again, maybe it hasn't been time yet. But I think you're right. I think that uh, it doesn't have to be a free agency. I think uh, uh, trading a guy that maybe, like you said, uh, was counted on to become one of the, to be one of those pieces of uh, the next Tigers playoff team might be something you need to do. And that's the question: When do you do that? When do you decide to pull the trigger on something like that? It's all about you know having a feel for where you're at as an organization and whether or not you feel like it's the right time to do that. Not only that, it seems like it seems like Tigers fans sometimes overvalue their own talent when it comes to, um, and 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 they. It isn't just Tigers fans, man. No, everybody. You're, no, you're right. Everybody over overvalues oh, their own internal prospects. No, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Right. And, yeah. I, and I'm not necessarily talking about <laughs> prospects, though. I'm talking about you know they they don't understand. They may not understand the situation. They may overvalue a guy. Uh, take for instance Nick right. Castellanos. Um, Nick Castellanos is a guy who's who's going to he's 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 going to be a free agent after this season. Um, he's limited what he can do in the field, uh, and he's you know he's going to hit you in the high twos. Um, I mean that's I, I know a lot of people here in Detroit are going to want you know the world in return. I know that's something that um, 
Elle was looking for in return as well. And I, and I didn't have a problem with that. I thought that if you, if, you know, if you're asking for something in return, why not shoot for the moon? Why not get a nice, you know, a 25 year old who can play every day for you. And in addition to some prospects as well, why not ask for that? But, you know, I, I know a lot of people too, uh, were having a big problem with the JD Martinez trade. Um, uh, when they, when they, when they unloaded him again, I don't think people quite understood that a lot of teams at the trade deadline aren't going to give up a ton of, a ton of talent, a ton, you know, a ton of prospects for a guy that could very well walk in the off season, which he did with, with the diamondbacks. So I, you know, that that's kind of the fine line that you, that you, you know, you kind of have to walk here too, as a, as a general manager and having to deal with these things and, you know, kind of deal with the fan backlash that comes along with it. So, I mean, I, as far as the fleecing goes, I, I completely agree with you, Greg. I don't think that he has made that impact just yet. I mean, hell, you could say that the closest thing that has come to that is uh, when he traded his own son and Justin Wilson to the Cubs. Um, right. And, and what they got in return for that. So maybe, maybe that's what, maybe that's what it is right now. Well, you know, uh, time will tell, but yeah. uh, it's, uh, that's just, that's just the, that's the, that's the one component. I think that's the, that's, that's a fair, would be a fair criticism of Al is that he hasn't done anything bull did or anything that really makes you think, Oh, this guy's, you know, he's crazy like a Fox and, and we yeah. just haven't seen it yet. Well, well, yeah, go ahead. Go ahead, Dorf. One, one, uh, we're going to get into your, your garden hire article now here, uh, Greg. But just one reminder for fans out there. One of the brightest young players in baseball was a first-time All-Star this year. Glaber Torres, by the way, is only 22 years old, and this is his third organization. He was that piece that, God, this is a, maybe a, a damn good player, but you know what? We need to make a bold move now. He's a guy that has been moved twice already. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And he started, he originally signed uh, with the A's organization, was traded to the Cubs, and I forget what deal that was, um, how what, who he was involved with there, but then was dealt between, for Raldis Chapman, um, from to the Yankees, um, when they made that, that one trade for that uh, playoff run. So, I mean, all right, Garden Hire. If you just want to take us uh, take us through your piece here, um, I'll tell you what I know. I don't know if you had arrived at this conclusion that that uh, that you did here. I'm gonna I'm gonna let you introduce this, but I was on this train. I don't know if you were before the day he was hired. I'll just say that. Go ahead. <laughs> uh, well, full disclosure, I was on board with the hire at the time. I thought that where the Tigers were, and I. I, I I was uh, I wrote a piece about I wrote a column the day after he was hired. I was I was on board with it uh, for for where the Tigers were at the time. I thought it was a good hire. Now I I just read that piece a couple of days ago and I cringed. You, know, you can't write these columns in invisible ink, unfortunately, because one <laughs> of the, the candidates for that job was Alex Cora, or supposedly a, 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 a candidate, which I I dismissed. I wanted them to hire Dave Martinez. Uh, again, full disclosure. That was I wrote that piece in the, during this uh, during the 2017 season. Dave's actually done. Dave's not done that bad with with the Nationals. He's actually done a pretty good job this year. You know, they were written off. Yeah, they really in turned. May. Really turned it around recently. Yeah. So, yeah. So you you know. I, 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 so anyway, but now I, as you know, he was only Guardy was only given a three year contract, which I thought at the time was a little bit chintzy. But I said, you know, okay, that's. You know, the guy wants to get back into managing really badly. The Tigers are in the situation that they are. The impetus for me writing the piece that I wrote on over the weekend 
which was basically saying that the next phase of the rebuild should include a new manager, <clears throat> was because I just felt like if, if, if <clears throat> excuse me, there's only one or two things that you do here with him. You either extend him or you don't. <laughs> and if you're not going to extend him, then what do you do with that third year? Do you just let it play out next year? And if you do that, then what are you judging him on? What is the basis at that point to, 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 to whether or not you bring him back for a fourth year? Or, you do, or do you just let him manage that third year and just let that contract run out, which I think would be kind of silly. I mean, I, why would you just let a, a lame duck guy just run out a, a third year with no hint of an extension and just let the thing die out and then you hire a new guy. I, I just think that you, there's one of two, two ways you go here. And I, and I, and I believe that the way that this rebuild is going, it's clear to me that there are players that are in the organization right now that are going to be here long after Ron garden hire is going to be here. And I just believe that the next guy they hire. And, this, and I think, I think Al Avila has one more manager hire in him that's going to be kind of make or break him is when you do it, you hire the guy that you think is going to be in the dugout when the Tigers play their next playoff game. I don't think that Ron was brought in here in 2017 to do that. And I still don't think he's going to be the one that's going to do that. So if he's not the one that's going to do that, and if you, if you're ready to turn the corner a little bit with this thing, then I just, to me, it makes sense to, you know, and by the way, guys, this is all predicated on whether or not Ron even wants to come back. We don't even know that. I mean, we may he may decide that he's had you know the two brutal years of 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 you know well over two hundred losses combined. He may decide you know what I don't even want to come back. Yeah, uh, you could. know this the losing's beating me up. I'm sixty one years old. I, I'll I'll retire. I'll go I'll go back to Oklahoma. I'll enjoy my my golden years, and that'll be it. We don't even know. So assuming he wants to come back, um, you know, if I'm him, I'm going to go into this offseason asking my boss. Guys, what do I need to do to stick around here a little bit longer? I want to manage these kids when they're good again. What do I need to do? So what do the Tigers do? Do they, do they extend him or do they not? And my opinion is they, this is the time now to hire the guy that they feel is going to be in the dugout when they play game one of the ALDS. And I just don't think that it's wrong. And, and, you know, I, I couldn't tell you the podcast episode, but uh, an episode at uh, right around his higher date, what was that two, two and a half, three years ago here? I am on record saying that it doesn't matter. The Ron Garden hire hire doesn't matter because he's not going to be the next manager when it's time to win again. And right. an on field manager really can't screw up a rebuild. It's not right. somebody, it's not somebody who can, you know, tank a rebuild, cause it to take longer, <clears throat> or really, really hinder player development. So right. with that in mind, I, I said it didn't matter. And everybody's like, are you happy with it or, you know, upset? I'm like, I don't, know, I don't care. It doesn't matter. Right. He's not going to be here when it's time to be good right. again. So, right. and I don't think you're wrong here, Greg, that I, I'll tell you what, it, it, you know, it's very, very rare. It never happens in sports unless, of course, a guy's been around in the same team for like a decade that he's ever coaches in the final year of a contract. Yeah. The guy either gets moved on from by then or gets extended before that final year. Right. I mean, didn't wait. I mean, this this happened with the guy, you know, the Tigers actually did that to the guy who last held this job. Brad Osmus coached in the final year of the contract. Mm -hmm. I would be entirely surprised if that happens with Ron Gardenhire. I mean, it, it wouldn't be the first time a manager says, well, you know, walks into a GM's office at the end of the year and says, extend me or fire me. I, I'm not going to coach in my final year of a deal here. Mm -hmm. And he gets, to, gets told to, uh, all right, then, man, see ya. 
Do you think so, it's Do you think it's different though for a guy like Ryan Gardenhire who is you know towards the end of his career, and he is an older guy? And I mean, because we saw this with Jim Leland. I mean, Jim Leland was working on one year deals, and I know it. But it, he had been it, around for a while. I know it's not necessarily the same situation, but I'm just talking in terms of you know where Ron Gardenhire is at his career. I mean. He could, you know, this could be it for him this season. Next year could be it for him. Who knows? I'm just, I'm just, I'm just looking at it from that standpoint that he's an older guy. He's in his sixties. He's towards the end of his career anyway. I don't know. I'm, I'm just throwing something against the wall, saying it'll stick. That's, that's all I'm basically. You know what? Doing. You know what? You know what, guys? If Ron, if Ron wants to come back, and again, we don't know yet. We don't know if, if he's gonna, uh, you know, manage the last game in October and then. Uh, announced that he's done. Yeah. I don't know, but let's, let's presume that he wants to come back. Okay. I don't see a guy of his ilk. Now you can, you can make fun of his record and all the 90 lost seasons and I get it, but still somebody as a baseball lifer, like he is, I don't see him going to spring training next year with the, with the very questionable, once again, questionable roster that he's going to have next mm-hmm. year and say, I'm and look at his contract situation as being, running out at the end of the year with no extension and manage. I, I just don't think that, you know, you talked about the uh, extend me or fire me thing. That's exactly what happened uh, with Buddy Bell. Buddy uh, told Randy Smith, look, I want to know, this is late in the 1998 season. Buddy was in his third season. He said, I want to know where I stand. And they didn't have a very good relationship to begin with. But so Randy Smith said, well, you know, if you really want to know, like uh, Dorf said, there's the door, and that's what got Buddy Bell fired. And they, they, and that I think, and the Tigers don't usually fire managers in during the season. It's very, very unusual, but that's what got Buddy fired because he uh, wanted outside, to know outside what. Outside of the Phil he, Garner firing at what game eight or well, yeah, it was. yeah, they're, they're very <laughs> off, very, very infrequently of the Tigers fired managers in the middle of the season. So uh, that, yeah, so I mean, but I, I, I just, I just don't know why Ron would do that. Why would he put himself potentially through another 100-loss season next year, not knowing if he's going to come back after the end of it? It just doesn't make any sense to me. I, Yeah, I, it, 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 makes perfect, it, it makes perfect sense from where you're coming from, Greg. I, I really don't know why he would either. Um, I think if this team was decent, if they, were, if they were mediocre even, then yeah, you could certainly see it happening. But yeah, um, He's in a tough spot right now. Definitely. How uh, many? How many coaches? How many coaches and managers have you, have you guys? Are you? Uh, do you guys know of who who go through a rebuild entirely? I mean, from the beginning of the rebuild through its entirety, come out uh, and still being the manager, or coach, and and manage and co- or coach that team when they're a playoff contender. It doesn't. It just is. It's so infrequent. I mean, I don't have any research on top I'm of my racking, head. I'm racking but, my brain, and I can't come up with anybody. I right. So, I, and I'm looking. I'm looking through. I'm looking through multiple sports too. I mean, maybe the closest. I mean, here. Well, at Scotty least here. Bowman? At Does least Scotty here in Detroit. Bowman no, because they were. They were uh, the reason why they got Scotty Bowman is because Brian Murray couldn't get the job done. But right, one guy that I was thinking of was maybe Brian Murray. Um, Maybe maybe Jacques Demers when they made the uh, when the Red Wings made the playoffs, 
um, towards the end of the 80s after suffering, you know, the, the, the seasons that they had to suffer through during that time. But even when they did make the playoffs towards, you know, the end of the 80s, they still weren't really that good. Um, I don't know. I, I don't, I don't think there ever really was. I mean, when Sparky Anderson had the Tigers, I mean, they were obviously good when he first had them and they were not good at the end of his tenure there. Um, right. I, I couldn't tell you, Greg, I don't know. I really don't. I mean, shelf life's in, 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 in professional football are so short that you, you'll never even see that right. happen. Um, right. I mean, so I guess, it, I guess what a, we're saying, we, we, all, we, we all can agree on that. We all can agree on that. So the, sorry, I'm going to stop. You go ahead. No, no, I was just going to say, we can all agree is since we're all stymied here, we can all agree that, <laughs> that hardly ever happens. So since it hardly ever happens, then like, like Adam said, there, there was no, there was no, and that's, that's what I said in my column. There was no um, uh, thought that, Ronnie was going to be the, the manager when this thing got, when the Tigers got good again anyway. So, and, and that by itself is not a reason to, to let him go, but I'm just saying that, that this is, this shouldn't be a big, this shouldn't be a come as a surprise to folks that, that I'm suggesting this because this is just, it was just a matter. That wasn't a matter of would, would Ronnie be, uh, would, would he not see the end of this rebuild? But when would you bring in the next guy and the next guy, that's the key hire because you, know, you don't bring in another transitional guy. You don't dare do that. You bring in a guy that you think can be the guy. Now, there's some really big names out there. Obviously, Joe Girardi. Joe Madden might be available. Yeah. After. Can you imagine that? If, 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 if you're talking about being bold, if the Tigers are going to be bold and, and do a Sparky Anderson 1979 thing and, and, and bring in Joe Madden, well, then all of a sudden, now you now you're, you know, maybe you will get 3 million people in the, in the stands. But it's all about... Uh, who's available and what, what they what they, they think the direction is, but but you know what, guys, I, I have a funny feeling that w- with Al Avila's very homogenized, uh, uh, you know, middle of the road kind of a career so far, that he he would probably bring Ronnie back uh, for, tw- for or at least try to for 2020, and then we'll see what and let the fur fur fly. Well, well, go ahead. All right, I, I got. You know, would it be even out of line, you know, say that the, the Tigers aren't, you know, Al Avila goes shopping for the guy in the offseason, doesn't mm-hmm. find what he wants. Would it be entirely out of line to then give, you know, Al Avila a one or two year extension, giving him three additional years, two to three additional years total and punt that decision till the following offseason? I mean, is that entirely out of line? Because I, you know, if if just based on the way things are going and guys that should be available yeah. in free agency in the next two yeah. years, I don't know that it will be time to win again until 22, 23, 2022 or twenty three. And I, is I don't I don't think you need to necessarily get the guy uh, this offseason if you're if you choose to do that. I think you may be able to punt that decision another year or two and not slow anything down. You know, is that a, no, that, is that a silly idea? No, it's not silly at all. I mean, that, that's fair. That, that that could that could definitely happen with with Al. It's it's very possible that, that would be the that'd be the case. I by the way, if that's if that's what they choose to do, I wouldn't kill them for that. I mean, uh, because it, you can make an argument in that direction, but I'm just saying that I don't see. I don't see Ronnie being here when they when the Tigers are contenders again. So my feeling is, why not get an early jump on the guy that you think might be here? Let him work with these kids, 
uh, let them get a feel f- for them. Um, but, you know, if they do what you suggested, you know, it wouldn't be the end of the world. It probably wouldn't excite the fan base that much necessarily. Although a lot of them, a lot of the fan base tended tend to defend him. A lot of the fan base tend to defend Guardy. They tend to be more on on Al Avila's case than they yeah, are uh, Ronnie's, which I can understand. Um, but my my beef my beef with Ronnie is that he he came here saying he was going to the Tigers were going to play fundamental fundamentally sound baseball. That hasn't happened. It just hasn't happened. Yeah. All right. Yeah, it hasn't. I th- I think I think that Dorf and I can both definitely agree with you when you when you when you mention the 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 next guy you want to see be a younger guy and an analytical guy. I think that's something that Dorf and I can uh, can both get on board with as well. I I want my mm-hmm. baseball version of Sean McVay. <laughs> there you I don't go. care. I don't care if the dude's yeah. twenty eight. <laughs> I want my baseball version <laughs> right. of Sean McVay. Yeah. <laughs> right. But, uh, well, that's the you know, that's the trend all over baseball, guys. The trend, if you look around the around MLB, you're seeing it's it's the GMs are getting younger, yeah. the managers are getting younger. You know, in our day, my day, you know, you you didn't dare hire a manager who was under forty or under forty five <laughs> or fifty. But now, and the GMs were all in their sixties, and they all you know were old looking guys, and they're old weathered, and and uh, you know now you got these GMs that look like they're they're college students. I, I can't believe how young these kids look. That's I call kids. You, that's, what, that's what happens when you hire all the guys that are good at math. They all <laughs> tend to be younger. Right. Yeah. <laughs> right. <laughs> and so here the Tigers are with an old with an old manager, an old GM. It's kind of bucking the trend. Yeah. Uh, I don't think that's a positive. <laughs> <laughs> right. Great. Right. Great. Though, why don't you why don't you go ahead and throw out uh, throw out some promotion one last time though tonight. Sure. Thank you. Uh, yeah, just uh, my, uh, it was mentioned earlier, my out of bounds WordPress blog is, is just that out of bounds. Just search out of bounds, Greg, Eno. Uh follow me on Twitter at Greg, Eno. Uh, you can also follow my, uh, or read my uh, hockey blog, which is called the winged wheeler, which is also hosted oh. by WordPress. And of course, uh, um, the, the knee jerks podcast, uh, at the knee jerks and, uh, just, uh, search stitcher, YouTube, uh, all the, all the usual suspects that host podcasts, just search the knee jerks Detroit. And uh, we're on every other week. We've been doing it for the last 10 years. Greg, you've said it all, man. Thank you so much for coming on tonight. Had a blast. Um, Hopefully we can do this again sometime soon. I really enjoyed it guys. Thanks for having me on. I really appreciate it. Awesome. Thank you very much, Greg. Thank you, Greg. Take care. Sure. There you go. Greg, you know, I've actually, I've, I've known of Greg Eno for a while now. I've always wanted to, I've always wanted to have him on and talk to him because he certainly seems like a uh, a cool guy to talk to. Especially, I mean, I wish it was about happier things than <laughs> than how. <laughs> oh, oh no, we suck again. <laughs> yeah, then how bad you know the Tigers suck and how long it's going to last for. So hopefully, the next time we have Greg on, it's something uh, much more positive than, uh, you know what the hell the tires are going to be doing next in terms of their, uh, in terms of the rebuild. Hopefully, hopefully, you know, like I said, hopefully it's just something, it's something more positive Dorf the next time, uh, the next time Greg comes on with us. Yeah. All right. Um, all right. I think that's going to wrap up our tigers talk here tonight. Uh, ugh. um, <laughs> next thing I want to talk about here is, um, it's time for Jim Arba- Harbaugh's annual put foot in mouth segment. Um, oh, is it that this, time of the year again? Uh, it is that time of the year again. Um, football is uh, in season, so 
with that in mind, <laughs> it's time for uh, um, this time he goes after former Ohio State. Well, he was an interim head coach, defensive coordinator, defensive assistant before that. Now the head coach of the University of Cincinnati, Luke Fickle, mm-hmm. in regards to the James Hudson transfer. So James Hudson was a offensive lineman at Michigan who left to go to um, the University of Cincinnati. And applied, tried to apply for immediate eligibility due to extenuating circumstances. His appeal was denied um, by the NCAA. He's going to have to sit out this next season. Um, he's still, I forget how many years of eligibility he's got left, uh, but it's at least one, obviously. Um, James Hudson uh, has claimed publicly that his transfer had to do everything with mental health, that uh, he was not right mentally and the Michigan football coaching staff either was combative about that or wasn't supportive, didn't take it for real and therefore didn't document anything. So when it came time to have Hudson transfer and they, they requested these records from Michigan about his mental state and to, to validate his appeal, they didn't have them. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so, and at the same time, the, you know, Luke fickle came out and had it known that, you know, he was kind of disappointed that, Hubson's appeal wasn't granted, and but you know what? And so Harbaugh, being Harbaugh, can't uh, let leave good enough alone and be like, you know what? The dude wasn't going to play for me anyway. Um, I'm glad he's going to get an opportunity to play elsewhere. No, he's got to snipe at Luke Fickle. Um, is this uh, just an, his annual uh, spout off, or is this something different because of the the whole mental health angle? You know what? This sort of thing. I mean, come on, come on, Harbaugh. You got to. You, you gotta you gotta direct this type of shit up, not down. Um, yeah. University in Cincinnati, Luke Fickle. They're they're not at this. I don't I don't want to sound like like snooty. they're not on your level. Yeah, I don't want to sound like <laughs> a snooty, pretentious Michigan fan here, but it's true. I mean, I mean, do you still have the soundboard up? You got to do that. This is Michigan. For no, sakes. I don't. I don't have it up. Um, I think I got to make a new one actually. Uh, it's but, a little dated. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, come on, you, you, you direct this stuff horizontally, you direct it up. You don't sit here and, and, you know, talk shit about Luke fickle and the Cincinnati Bearcats. It's just, it, it's not something you should do. It's lame. It's, it's beneath you. And yeah, at this point you need to just keep your mouth shut about it. But this is something that Jim Harbaugh does and something that I've always kind of had a problem with when it came when it comes to Jim Harbaugh Dorf is um, is him kind of just making it all about me, 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 me. And which is which is fine to some extent if you're winning. If you're not winning, though, which. Michigan, for all intents and purposes, he has a isn't. positive win-loss record. He just doesn't win any games that anybody gives a shit about. Yes, yes, yes. Technically, they are winning in terms of win-loss record, but can anybody actually label Jim Harbaugh's tenure with the University of Michigan as a success? And do you think his tenure and what that's brought upon warrants? And justifies him going and doing shit like this. I don't think it does. I just think I just think this makes him look, you know, more clownish. Well, in this instance, I I totally agree with you. However, um, I I think the previous instances of Jim Harbaugh's annual spout off 
while they annoy some people, are a, for lack of big, a better term, a big dick power move mm-hmm. where it's, you know what, you don't, you know, for even subliminally or directly, the, you want to come play for me, I've got the biggest dick in town and, <laughs> and I will, it's a dick measuring contest. And yeah. at the same, you know, at the same time, we've got world-class facilities. We put people in the league all the time. Um, you'll be nobody's bitch. And, and that's attractive to, to, to potential prospects. That's mm-hmm. attractive to fans that uh, are overly sensitive. However, you, you, you touch, you're, you're playing with fire here because you, you're now going after and perceivingly bullying a guy who left you because he couldn't, you know, because of mental health reasons. Yeah. Like <laughs> optics are bad. And not to mention, it's not like you're, you know, oh, by the way, uh, Lincoln Riley sniped at Jim Harbaugh today too, uh, in regards to another offensive line transfer down to Oklahoma. Um, but it's not like a guy that, you know, he's going to a, a school that's less prestigious, doesn't generate as much talent. You don't even ever will play outside of if you schedule them in a non-conference game. Like, they're not on your radar. Like, mm-hmm. what the frick do you gain by going after Cincinnati or let alone a guy who's, you know, mental health is a big, important thing now. I, I think you can fairly well say that, in a macro perspective, the stigma is gone from from talking about it. The you're going after a guy. Oh boy, you're not going to get anybody to defend you on this one, dude. Like, pick your targets a little bit better. If if you're gonna if you're gonna you know try and show off that you're the biggest, you have the biggest dick in town. Pick your target a little bit better, man. <laughs> and that's and that's the biggest thing here, Dorf. Not not the dick measuring contest, but um, <laughs> but it's it's the mental health thing. I mean, at some point, dude, pull back a little bit here. Don't. I mean, don't be making. Dude, a just si- don't even say. Yeah. Here's the other thing. We, we say if you're gonna say anything at all, we wish James Hudson the best in his future endeavors. Yeah, that's it. Absolutely. That's it. That's all I got to say. Or next question. Like, don't even don't. I'm not even. You know, I'm not even. This is this isn't like the previous years with the yellow submarine or who's got it better than us or anything like that. Those were all fine. It was annoying, but they're fine. Mm-hmm. This nah, not so much. Yeah. Yep. Totally agree. All right. Anything else you want to do on Michigan football? We will have a preview show here uh, before the season starts. I, we promise you that. We will go around uh, the – well, we'll at least do Michigan, Michigan State. I don't know if anybody gives us flying, you know what, about the uh, MAC teams in the state. So, no, we will uh, be doing Eastern, <laughs> especially. No, we, no, we won't. Oh, no. <laughs> I know we both went there, but no, we won't. Because <laughs> uh, we don't want to be doing radio for two, man. Uh, you're no fun, Dorf. Yeah, I know. <laughs> you don't you don't see anybody hosting a podcast for locked on e- locked on eagles. Oh, wait, I mean, <laughs> you as in Eastern Michigan, like their big blog, like isn't around anymore. Yeah, it's it? because like the one dude, who, it was a one man band, and he's like, "Fuck this, I got real shit to do." Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, anyways, um, is it cut room floor time? Yes, yeah, sir. All right, cut from floor. Um, local guy, uh, John Schreiber, who's a prospect for the, the Tigers, made his big league debut this week after simmering in the minors for four or five years. Uh, it did not go well. 
Uh, he's been optioned back to Toledo after getting, I believe, he made three appearances and got beat up pretty good in all three. Um, yeah. Nah. It's not like he, yeah, whatever. Um, <laughs> he was like a, a late teens round pick anyway. The fact that he's gotten you out period is a positive. It's not like he's going to be out of the org, I'm sure. This won't be the last time you'll see him on a big league mound. No. Nope. Um, Golden Tate's suspension. I know he's no longer in Detroit in this Detroit-centric show. However, Golden Tate lost his appeal of his four-game PED suspension. Um, the only reason I want to talk about it is because Golden Tate, you know, I never met the man. Seems like a, a decent dude. Um, I'd love to believe him. He was popped for having a female fertility drug in his system, which is exactly what you do if you're trying to mask storage use. Yeah, because you and I but, were kind of texting back and forth with each other the other day talking about the Manny Ramirez thing. Like, that's exactly yeah. what you would do if you're trying to hide steroids. I, I, Golden Tate said, you know, hey, my wife and I are struggling to, to have a child. You know, this is something we were on to try and, uh, you know, help that out. I thought they just had a kid, too. Didn't they just have a well, kid? Well, that doesn't mean that they're... I know they, you know, don't, know they don't want more, but I don't know. Yeah, you know, this is something that happened. You know, I, I failed it because of that. You know, I realized exactly what it was as soon as I – and I reported it immediately. You know, I you know, I know that we're responsible for everything we're putting in our bodies, but, like, I swear to God, this is a legit reason. Like, I love to believe the guy, but at the same time, it's exactly what you'd take if you were trying to be sneaky. I want, I want to believe him too, and you know what? Call me naive, but I am going to go ahead and believe him. I think that I, – I don't think he – he he really knew exactly what was what was going to happen with. I be, I believe him. I believe him that him and his wife are you know trying to have more kids, and this is something he was trying to do to aid in that. Um, I don't believe Manny Ramirez though. When he tried yeah. to do it. I think <laughs> that was just that was just Manny being Manny. That was Manny being Manny and trying to circumvent the system there. But uh, yeah, I, I'll 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 believe Golden Tate. But again, this is just. You know, this is the NFL being the NFL too, and just having these. Just well, at, this, at these, the same time, if if you don't enforce the rules you have in the books, what good are rules? So. I under I under I understand that when it comes to the NFL, but also when it comes to the NFL, they're never consistent though. When it, you know, in terms of punishment, investigation, shit like that. I get. I guess bottom line, Dorf, what I'm trying to say is is the NFL doesn't have a whole lot of um, credibility when it comes to when it comes to stuff like this in general, whether it's PEDs, whether it's, I think they know, have, they have the decent stuff. credibility when it comes to the performance enhancing stuff. They've had a zero tolerance policy with all of that since, you know, since they started taking it seriously. Um, but it's, it's all the other, the, uh, all the other stuff that they would, you know, player conduct or personal conduct that they're wildly and, and crazily inconsistent about. I think they're still injecting uh, players with that, uh, with that drug. Oh, I'm so freaking lovely. <laughs> that shit's scary, man. That is scary well, shit. Injectable opioid-based anti-inflammatories? Absolutely. Yeah. Those will be around until they're banned. Damn, that is some scary shit. I wish I knew the episode that we... I think that was a Majors Live episode. But yeah. I wish I remember the one because... I would invite anybody to go and take a look at that and just... You know, just to kind of give some context about what we're talking about now. 
Well, I mean, just just for for example, I know that there was a big story about like specifically the Pittsburgh Steelers and just like walking into their locker room before on game day in the morning and just be this giant table in the middle of it with just syringes with people's names on it. Yeah, just you know, tore it all like it was freaking candy. Yeah, that stuff was originally designed to be a local any injectable anti-inflammatory used around a incision site post surgery. Yep. It was for post-surgery that, that first 24 to 36 hours getting over that, oh, my God, please kill me pain. <laughs> the, that's, what it's, that's what it's for. And it's given. You're a- supposed to have like two doses maybe in your life. These guys are getting it every week in multiple spots. Yep. Like not only is that horrifically irresponsible as a medical practice, that is like committing absolute murder on somebody's kidneys. Yeah. Absolute murder. Yeah. And it, 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 not only that, I mean, you know, it, it, it decreases the body's senses to, you know, oh, really, yeah. and that's to really identify injury for the yourself. Reason people do it is because it, it works. Yeah. It makes you numb. You can maim yourself and not feel it. Yeah. And that's why that's why it's used is because you know what that, these guys don't get paid to to miss games hurt and when you only play sixteen times you know sixteen games that count a year, um, it's uh, it's so so it sounds so blasé but it's an occupational hazard it's just what you got to do and with especially with limited roster sizes that you know what guys are gonna have to play hurt. Mm-hmm. And unless, of course, you're willing to fundamentally change, you know, roster rules, it's going to keep happening. And that's why more of a reason you're seeing guys walk away younger and younger and younger because they've seen what that does to people and they're not willing to put up with it. Yeah, absolutely. Even even for millions of dollars. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, they. I mean, and you can't blame them, too. You really can't. No, absolutely not. Uh, anything else tonight, Dorf? Uh, and then the Pistons added my head of minor signing. They added uh, forward Michael Beasley. So they now have the number one and number two overall picks from the 2008 draft have been signed this year. All right. Rose and Michael Beasley. All right. <laughs> Only 11 years too late. Can't wait. <laughs> hey, wh- whatever. I mean, right. whatever. I mean, they're not going to. Hey, I know this isn't the Majors Live. Can we name a quick badass, though, for this week? I don't have one prepped, but go ahead. Anthony Anthony Fenich? I think that was <laughs> technically last week. Whatever. Yeah. I don't know what's gotten into him, but... I think, it, is this a, uh, like, the Rod and, Rod and Mario finally just fucking sick of each other's shit? He's finally sick of sharing a press box with Chris McCoskey, and he's just lashing out? I don't know. This This is... <laughs> This is this is quite the heel turn, though. I know people on Twitter were making comparisons. This is like I know you're not going to get this, Dorf, but this is like this is like Hulk Hogan dropping the leg drop in uh, in Bash at the Beach in 1996. That's when the oh, N- Jesus. That's what that's when the, N- <laughs> when the when the NWO was born. I don't know if it's I don't know if Anthony Fender is going to go quite that off the deep end, but man. It's good. It's great, though. I mean, they, Detroit needs something like this. They need something from, you know, inner newspaper rivalry, inner newspaper rivalry, because we, we don't have it. Not in this town. The the the, the mainstream. Do, they still, do those two still run a common Sunday edition? Uh, I think so. All 
right. I'm not sure. I don't know anybody who still gets. We're not boomers here, uh, Dorf. Who still gets the Sunday paper? I don't know. I don't get a paper. I don't get a paper either. Have you ever gotten a paper? Um, I have never gotten a paper. Yes, we've we've gotten a paper before. Um, we get like we get a paper dropped off at our door like almost every single morning now, but we don't pay for it. I think it's just it is what it is. Yeah, yeah, it's for you. Yep. Um, but uh, anyways. Is that, uh, is that going to be it, Dorf? I think that's it, man. All, All right. right. That is going to wrap up episode 180 here of Motor City Uncut, presented by The Major Sports Network and EmpireMedia.com production. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I want to go ahead and give a big uh, thanks to, to Greg Gino for coming on tonight, Talking Tigers. Yes. You can, uh, find, you can find his blog, I believe it's at the Gregor G R E G G E R 63.wordpress.com. That's the actual, you know, link to get to his web. That would be the, uh, his sports website there. Um, the winged wheeler, I believe is winged wheeler.wordpress.com as well. And, uh, he told you where to find his podcast. So, yep. um, yeah. Yep. And I, I, you know what, that was, that was good to have him on. And I think we're going to start doing more interviews here going forward. Cause, uh, if we can keep getting them like that, that's, uh, in our, and our last one on majors live where we had, uh, the fellas from, um, God damn it. The, uh, the publication unwrapped, unwrapped sports, uh, out of California there. Uh, that was a good show here. That was a couple weeks ago. Um, on the majors live, I think we're going to keep doing that. So, yeah. all right. Anything else? Nope. Uh, we'll have all the we'll have all of uh, Greg Eno's info though in the uh, in the show notes when we post this episode, so uh, you'll be able to get links and everything from there. All right. So for Adam, I'm Dorf, and uh, part timer Sean. We'll see y'all next time. See ya.